Yes. Where are we? Here. Why are we here? Not entirely clear. We are misfits thrust into existence by random chance with no hints at all as to how we're supposed to make sense of it all. It's immensely bizarre. Here we are. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Here We Are podcast. Today, I have guest Scott Barry Kaufman with me, and we're going to be talking a bit about his book, Transcend the New Science of Self-Actualization. And he's written several books in the past. He has tons of uh, uh, tons of great like TED Talk and a bunch of great YouTube videos. I just started watching one, Scott, um, that was about uh, working from home um that you made I, I found like some seven minute thing and uh and you had something on there about like you know tidying up your space and everything and i watched it just before this and i'm now looking at this studio which on camera looks very pristine and i'm looking around at everything in the background and i'm like oh this is a sad person that lives in this space this is a this is a you're referring to yourself yeah yeah this 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 person's life is a disaster is what i'm looking at on the outside of it as i as i watched your video about like make the space neat and and tidy but uh anyway the point is but what i see you look like you you looks very clean from what i see right now yeah, this, look at this facade that I'm able to put together. And then exactly. after this, I, I hit stop on the record. And then apparently then I just live in clutter uh, all of the rest of the time. Um, uh, Scott, why don't you tell the, the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself? Oh, she's where does where does one begin? <laughs> <laughs> uh, What's your background? You've written a bunch of books before. You have a whole yeah. you have a whole backstory of kind of you you uh you have some really compelling you have a compelling backstory about um kind of uh learning differently um and uh, uh school not being the right fit for everyone and and then um and then you in your new book you're kind of expanding on uh maslow's hierarchy of needs a bit and so yeah give us uh as long or as you did a good job you you, you did a really good job uh telling my story well i mean i well that's your life scott uh that's been the show everybody (laughs) steve's Steve's like you you know you were you you stupid when you're a kid and then like (laughs) then you wrote this book and then now you're done um but i um I, uh, I, you know, I, I'm a humanistic psychologist, so I'm really interested in um, how we can, uh, you know, find a life of meaning and vitality, feel like we're uh, really uh, self-actualizing and live our life to the fullest. Um, I had some, you're right, I had some terrible early, early childhood experiences that made me think that we're not really realize uh, we're not appreciating the potential in uh, in our students, uh, especially the kids in special ed. They're just um, kids with learning disabilities. You know, and all, there's all sorts of kind of different learning, learning disabilities. I'm really a big advocate of the neurodiversity movement. Um, I'm a big advocate of comedy. I love comedy. I have a dream of doing stand up someday. Um, really? 
Oh, absolutely. It's been a long time dream of mine, but I just think like neurodiversity is so linked to comedy. Like I find like all my friends who are like autistic are the funniest people, you know, like, and, uh, you know, cause they, cause they just like, they take things literally, you know, and, uh, and, uh, don't, don't care about, uh, rules, you know, about like societal social rules of what you can and cannot say. Um, so I, I find that awesome. Um, I think there's That's... a lot of potential there, you know, among neurodiverse people. That's an interesting perspective. I was just kind of thinking about what what um, what uh, good comedians uh, do, and a lot of it is you go to you go to it. Well, so here's there's two types of comedians: one that panders to the crowd, um, and then another that like pushes some buttons a little bit. There's more types than that, but that those are the types that I was thinking about when. You go to a crowd, usually, usually you go, um, like, Hey, here's, here's the, here's the town over that everyone thinks is stupid. Here's the like, uh, wacky street name that everyone in this town knows. And like a comedy club will even have these things on, on a, on a list for you. Like, Hey, mention here's our governor. Here's the sports colors that they, uh, green, just say green and gold and they'll just start clapping and and if that's you're the pandering that's the pandering type that's the pandering type the other and type would be like i fucking hate green and gold those, are, my, the, I, those are the two colors that i just can't stand and then uh, so i i get into that area but then i also be like hey why are we why is every town doing this arbitrary thing because what all you got to do is you go to like a you go to a truck stop and if you if you want the cheat sheet you just go to like the uh, you just go to a big old truck stop somewhere and you just go to like the bumper sticks sticker and merch section of the truck stop. And you're just like, Oh, here's the things. Oh, okay. In this town, they're, they're really into rubbing their belly and patting their head. And that's, that's the most important thing in their lives. And then in the next city, Oh, okay. This city's into, rubbing their head and patting their belly and they hate the people that are into <laughs> rubbing their belly and patting their head so okay which how do i play with that make sure do i want to pander or do i want to give them some pokes and then and then there's uh, there's uh, uh and then there's like a level of like hey guys do you know that uh all of that the patting the belly and the rubbing the head thing is like that you're going to war over is like rather silly. And, and then they're like, well, we hate that perspective the most. It needs to mean something. So when you said that, when you said that, like the neurodivergent, uh, it, it, it is like kind of a natural way of having that alien anthropology, uh, anthropological view on life, which a lot of comedians and scientists use. Um, that's really interesting. And then I just went off on a whole tirade there. No, I loved that tirade. Um, and I was also a little distracted because you, you have the most, you have the biggest hands I've ever seen in my, the longest fingers. Oh, I do. It's, I've is. never seen anything like it. It's like a, the swamp monster or something. The swamp monster is exactly what they're like. No one's ever compared them to swamp monster, and it's Did I nail so it? perfect. Did I nail it? Did I nail that? Uh, oh, I. It, you're not the first person to find my hands distractingly uh, large. No, because it's it, it takes up three fourths of the screen every time you. 
put your hands when up. I move my hands. That's something I need to be very mindful of in this new no, studio it's cool. of mine. Uh, I, I kinda, I kinda, I'm kind of feeling it. I'm kind of feeling it, you know, because I've got, I've got small hands. I mean, uh, this is just someone talking from envy right now. Well, uh, no, but if you just, well, let's see. If you put them closer to the camera, though, what happens? Oh, you know what? That's true, actually. Like, I like the fact that, like, you can, like... You know, you can kind of, uh, yeah. what's the word? You can amplif amplify. Uh, yeah, but now it's just amplifying how small your hands are. Actually. Oh, I see what you're saying. I see what I, you're saying. I thought it was going to make them look bigger when you put that up there, but no, it just makes it that much clearer to it, me. We'll that, it's, yeah. it's actually better. It's better, it's better from afar. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hi. Hi, everybody. <laughs> my name's Squawberry. Do you want to know my uh, my um, comedy, uh, stand-up comedy name? That I, If I ever do it, it's going to be have better. A Stand up comedy. Can I? Oh, oh I'm going to caution whole, you away from this, but you go ahead. Uh, well, I have a whole persona too. Oh, you have a whole persona. Well, yeah. I'm uh, present it, and then I can. I'll, I'll say I'm going to make a prediction. My prediction is I'm probably going to give you a little pushback. But uh, but let's let's hear it. Well, I don't have the wig and the mustache right now, but. Um, but hi, I'm Barry Max, uh, M-A-X-X, two X's, and I'm a- Oh, no, 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 Scott. Cut. You're not, you're not doing Barry Max. Is this a real plan of yours? You oh, do this I, in the I shower? Oh, I have, I have bookings. I have a website. I have a website open for bookings, Barry Max. You have- <laughs> I, I have no bookings. There's no one, no one has booked me. You're kidding. Uh, yeah, this is, this is. This I, took a turn. This whole conversation. This, you know, no, this is the best turn though. This, this turn. Thanks, uh, Well, this was the road we were supposed to be I'd on. I'd love advice. I'd love advice because I do feel like, um, uh, you know, Whoa. I feel the comedy. I feel the comedy in my bones, but, uh, you know, I had to be in my head all the time and. And, uh, well, well, Scott. I, I mean, uh, you're. I already like you. You're. You're seemingly thanks, a naturally funny guy. I follow. You know, we follow each other on Twitter. You seemed interesting like you on there, and uh, you know, I just, I, you know, I, I'd probably just like to talk you out of this. Um, <laughs> Off the ledge. The Scott Max. Well, one, you're picking a pretty bad time to get into the um live oh, yeah. stand-up comedy <laughs> not a good business. best time during a pandemic <laughs> and uh and then uh, uh th things are things are uh, my prediction is is that after this pandemic um being exceptionally authentic is going to uh be uh, there's going to be a little more demand for it than there used to be pandemics tend to kind of break down a lot of those thin veneers of uh, societal pressures you know i wrote i wrote a one-man show about my special ed journey this is what i'm talking about i mean i think i i saw it i think it's super compelling i'll let you i'll let you tell the gist of it but i i think you take something like that you throw a few more punchlines in there. Now you, now you got like an Ember Fringe Festival type show situation. But this whole Barry Max situation, you're going to, you're going to, after this, why don't you just, you know, you can let that website expire. That you, you could save yourself that $11 a year 
<laughs> I think I think honestly it did expire. I think that if you go to barrymax.xx.com, it says uh, it says this website is is uh, expired. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, give us the whole give us the whole thing. Well, I mean, when I was when I was a really young kid, um, I had a lot of hearing warning issues. I had a lot of fluid in my ears, and um, and uh, it took a couple of extra milliseconds to to process information. And people definitely thought I was um, stupid, and um, they put me in special ed, um, and I was kept in special ed till ninth grade. Um, I was bullied an awful lot as a kid, and I, I still follow the kid who bullies me. I still I follow him on Facebook to, to see what he's up to. Um, but yeah, it, you know, when I was uh, young, you know, you and you're bullied, you kind of think to yourself, you know, your self esteem really plummets, and that was really confusing. And and this relates to my current re- research interest in what are called twice exceptional children. So those, those are people, twice exceptional humans. So you can you can have a learning disability, and you can also be gifted. You know, there's not like an either or situation. But when I was a kid, and you know, kind of put in that situation. It, it created a lot of confusion for me because I did think I was capable of more challenges, but I also like didn't didn't realize I was allowed to know that I was capable of more challenges. Like you know what I mean? Like I just thought I was like everyone just thought, looked at viewed me as like just really dumb. And um, the ninth grade was really a pivotal moment though because I was uh, in the this was the, the start of high school and I was in the special ed classroom taking this this untimed test. I remember thinking to myself it's untimed by the rest of my life to take it, and so I was just really like just not in a rush to finish it. And the teacher in the special ed classroom took me aside after class, and you know she said like um, you know I think I. I see you. And I was like, I was like, Petra, I was like, what did she see? I looked to see if my zipper was down or something. And uh, she's like, I think I see your, um, you know, your frustration here. Why are you still in special ed? And I realized I had no good answer to that question. And, um, and it really it did quickly turn to like, why am I here to like, well, yeah, why am I here? And, and yeah, wait, why, wait, really, why am I here? And then I, I ran to the payphone. I called my mom and I told her like, yeah, I'm not going to go to special. I'm not reporting back. Um, and uh, it was a big deal. Like I, no, no, no special ed student in my school district had ever tried to break out of special ed before. This was like a big deal. And I had like a meeting with like the school psychologist and the administrators and everything. And they said their conclusion is they let me out on a trial basis. So they're like, they're like, yeah, if you don't get, you know, uh, you know, if you don't do particularly well, we're putting you right back in. I was like, thanks for the vote of confidence. <laughs> you, know, yeah, like, yeah. you know, like, um, but, but, but the, the fact of the matter, um, Shane is that as soon as I got out, um, and, and, and I was just so ravenously curious what I was capable of, I really, I really flourished. Like I went from like a D student to like in remedial classes to like straight A student in honors classes, like almost mm-hmm. overnight because it was so, I'm so, I was like waiting. I needed that. Like I, 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 like I was ready to learn and it was so exciting to learn. Um, and, uh, and my senior year of high school, um, I decided I wanted to get into gifted education. Uh, I thought of how cheeky would that be to go from special ed and then like, you know, to gifted ed, it was kind of like, I did it almost just for the cheekiness aspect to tell the story someday. Um, so I talked to the school psychologist, no, not the school. I talked to the gifted education teacher. All my friends were in gifted ed. I was like having lunch with all the gifted students by the time I was a senior in high school. So when they were all letting out, you know, I was like really nervous, like walking down the hall to talk to the gifted ed teacher. I was like trying to think of myself, how would a gifted person walk, you know, like how they look, you know, and I was like trying to like copy the gifted kids and how they, and everything so that she wouldn't think I was gifted. And then I talked to her and I was like, Hey, 
I'm Scott. I think I'm gifted. Like all my friends are gifted. Like, do you think I can be in gifted ed? And she's like, oh, well, you certainly look gifted. You know, like, why don't you, why don't you just, um, you know, I would love to have you in my class. It's just a techn technicality. Just see the school psychologist and get the official diagnosis. And I was like, no, <laughs> well, you know, it was like slow motion moment. I'm like, no, because the school psychologist was like, like they would, they would look up my, you know, they know my story. I didn't want my whole like backstory, you know, right. to be known. So anyway, I went to see the school psychologist in high school and he didn't rec he didn't recognize me as a special ed kid. He just was like, Oh great. Yeah. Well, I agree. You know, you look gifted. Um, sit down. And he brought, um, uh, he went to the file drawer cabinet. He brought back, uh, you know, his whole demeanor completely changed after he came back from the file drawer cabinet. He's like, okay. He's like, sit, sit down. We need to talk. And he, he drew on a bell curve. He drew, he took out a napkin and drew a bell curve on the napkin. Do you know what a bell curve is? Yep. yep. And he started it. He's like, here's the deal. He did this. He started at the right. He's like, these are all your friends. You know, these are the gifted kids. And then he, he kept moving to the left. And he's like, these are like kind of where the athletes tend to congregate. And then he moved to the right. And then he moves to the left. And he's moving to the left of the average sign. And he's like, stop. Like, when is this guy going to fucking stop moving to the left? And he's... he's <laughs> He stops at the like borderline retarded, you know, like like in that the classification, and he's like, "This is you," and I was and I was like, "Okay, you're not help, you're not making my day at all right now," <laughs> like you know, like, "Thanks, buddy." Um, and um, and he's like, "Sorry, you're you know you don't qualify." He's like, "In fact, far from it. <laughs> you're, uh, we should probably put you right back in special ed." But I was like, I was so. Um, angry because uh, in my head I was thinking to myself, and this is a question that's kind of been guiding all my research to this day: is at what point is uh, achievement allowed a trump potential? He was actually looking at my IQ score from when I was, uh, I think, ten years old, mm -hmm. but I was the seventeen-year-old kid now. In in the like, at what point am I allowed to like? to do better than what my potential predicted of me. And and that's been a question. You know what I'm saying, Shane? Like that question oh, has dri yeah. driven me. That's driven my whole career. So um, I, I ran to the library and I checked out a book on intelligence and I looked at like, there's a chart of what you can accomplish in life with the various IQ scores. And I found the, the band that he had just told me I was, and it said unlikely to graduate high school. And I was like, I was like, fuck that. And I threw that, you know, through the book and all the librarians were like running over a cold rainbow, cold rainbow, special ed student acting up. And I was like, I'm not in special ed anymore. And it was like so frustrating. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm almost gifted. Anyway, so the teacher, the gifted ed teacher, out of the goodness of her heart, she uh, felt bad. I told her what happened and she said, you know what? I'm going to make you an undercover gifted student. You know, we're not going to tell any, I'm going to let you in my gifted ed class. Don't tell the school psychologist. So my senior year, I was an undercover gifted ed student and you did like a whole Ocean's Eleven uh, yes, situation. Yes, to, yes, wow. with gifted ed. All, all yes. just to get more homework. <laughs> That's, that was oh, the I got a chance to read, you know, what was really cool is in the gifted ed classroom, they had uh, yeah, Psychology know, Today magazine and stuff that you yeah, could read. Like yeah. you, you weren't allowed to read the good magazines in the other classes. Yeah, no, I get it. I I mean, I was, I was always, I, I mean, I, I, it wasn't. Uh, mine, mine were more, I don't know what they would say, just like behavioral issues or ADHD or whatever the, the case they tried to, uh, give me. Um, I tried to make like a Snoop Dogg reference there and it was like, I think the next time I try it, I'm going to nail it. But there it was, but like, do you have ADD? Eh, fell apart a little bit. That's okay. Yeah, but I guess, I guess. Um, and well, yes. Okay. That's just, yeah. I mean, I've taken, I've taken the test and stuff. I There's had no, it. I guess. In the, ADD. There, 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 no. Yeah. It you was can't like, be I, like, I have, 
a little bit of ADD. No, it was. I've, I've taken the start, uh, the all, all of the tests for things and uh, blown them out of the water. I, I, every, uh, the most extreme version on every question possible. I do have some, uh, I, ha- I have some reservations about what that means. But, um, but anyway, I have, uh, uh, you know, so I was... I, yeah, it was always in detention and that sort of name on the board and stuff like that. And, and, uh, and then, and I just kind of like, I just kind of thought everything was bullshit except for math, like math, math I got because, because it's like, well, it doesn't really matter like what your belief system is or how old you are or your religion or if you're male or female or anything else or, or, uh, you know, you're your mood that day you get something right or or you don't and it like means something and it works in a way and you can show your work and you can understand it and uh i think i was pretty close to special ed and then i had a and then i had a teacher just be like well let's just put them in an advanced class instead and then i just blew everyone away on like advanced yeah, math classes yeah you did. and then and and but then i no one ever convinced me to care about anything else ever so it, it wasn't until i got out of school that i really started uh learning um and and but but it's always i have to just do things on my own terms anyway so it wasn't i don't blame anyone it wasn't anyone's fault this is just how i was going to be no matter what system you would have put me uh through but the point is is that like you said you give someone an iq test when they're 10 years old and like you don't know what their attitude that they're bringing in that day is or how in their head they are or you might be measuring you might be measuring a person's self-esteem or or insecurities more than you are their ability to solve complex problems and that's something that that people need to be aware of it's such a good point, Shane. And I remember that testing session at age 10. I, I remember vividly, you know, um, and uh, and the fact I was so like nervous, like if you actually read the report, which my parents saved, so I, I can I still read the I read the report every night before I go to bed. Um, the report said <laughs> that was a joke, but um, the report uh, I, I, I have read. I have read it again. And the report says um, that I was so like Scott young Scott or whatever is they, they the psychologists have funny ways na- ways of naming people boy boy Scott or something like was um clearly anxious and uh you know indicated by the profusion of sweat all over drooling all over the IQ test <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but but yeah. you know, but of course that didn't like like that didn't have anything to do with the score like but but yeah. I, like uh, so like it, it should have yeah, like I mean, it's just this is life. I I was just playing um pickleball. Uh, you ever, oh, wow. you know, pl- pickleball? I'm amazed it, at people who play pickleball. It's it's the worst name of any sport that there's ever been. That one of the things that I like about it, and then it's just uh, it's a mix of tennis and ping pong. Basically, I'm into it, but it is a it's a real head uh, head game, and how well I'm performing in pickleball is dependent on like oh do i know i'm playing someone much better than i am well then i'm just going to be hitting the ball worse right now am i in a flow state do i have a ton of stuff on my mind like all all of those things are going to determine 
the the um yeah. the level of skill that I'm bringing to to the court. It's like sexual on a given performance. Day. It's like sexual performance. You know what I do is I give it seventy percent of the time in the bedroom, like all, all of the time. Just as a like, I don't I don't try to uh, like. I'm not. I'm just trying to like you know do the basics. Stick with consistency. You know, pragmatics. Uh, Stick I, to the I, pragmatics. Yeah, First principles. I, I, First principles. I'm just trying to get the job done. I'm not. I'm not trying to show off or whatever. And and you give it, you give it seventy percent, and you deliver consistency. And then once in a while, there's just like those moments where those special evenings, like everything clicks into place. And then you're like, guess what? I got another thirty percent in me. Bam! And then you have that magical evening once in a while you're not gonna it doesn't matter what you do you're not gonna replicate a magical evening day in and day out now you're putting too much pressure on yourself you're in your head give give each other if you care about your partner give them 70 percent on a consistent base that's more than anyone can hope for 70 percent is very, that's, that's good that's very generous. That's a, that's a, that's 70%. a C, you know, that's, that's a... I would take 70%. <laughs> that's amazing. Do you want to hear the rest of my story? Uh, sure. I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah. I want, I want to hear the rest. <laughs> I was, I was trying to relate to you and also sex jokes. No, I'm loving this conversation. I, I, you know, just keep thinking about the hands, but because um, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a correlation. Well, there, there's a correlation. There's a correlate. Well, not in my case. There's no correlation, but in the there's, general, that's uh, that's an oversold. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyway, well, anyway, my, back to my story. Um, because yeah. uh, j- I, I think you'll get a kick out of the kind of the the ending, and I'll try to be quick because I, I know there's a lot you want to talk about. But um, but um, basically, the, what, what? Yeah. What? What happened was that my senior year, I applied to Carnegie Mellon University mm-hmm. um, to their psychology program because I, I wrote this personal statement about how I want to redefine our standard metrics of, of potential. And they um, they they basically responded rep- like, good story, bro, but your SAT scores aren't high enough to redefine the standard metrics of potential. I was like, what the? Do you hear yourselves? Um, so um, I, what I did is I, I was actually an, um, a good singer at the time. I was in choir. You know, I was a choir boy. Um, and I did um, all sorts of like, uh, I took voice lessons. So I went to the opera department at Carnegie Mellon and I auditioned for their opera program um, with a thought, you know, maybe I can like, you know, transfer to psychology someday if I get in. And they accepted me to on a scholarship to Carnegie Mellon on my singing ability. Mm. Um, I didn't tell them that the department, they already rejected me. You know, they said I wasn't smart enough to go to their school, but then the, I guess you don't have to be that smart to be an opera major. <laughs> Sorry, that was kind of mean. Yeah. But I'm I, saying, I, yeah. Well, as long as you can do a thing that doesn't have like uh, uh, like a, a lot of utility in life, but <laughs> right, exactly, like- yeah, exactly. Um, it, they didn't care about my SAT scores; they just 
cared about my talent, you know? Yeah. Anyway, so that was so cool. So when I, once I got in, I endured a full year of the voice major and I did like dance classes, like ballet I had to take and like acting classes. I'm a bit terrible actor, um, all these sorts of things. And, um, and then, you know, I, I went to the psychology department the end of my first year and, um, to the secretary, I was so nervous cause I didn't know if she was going to look at my IQ, go to the filing cabinet. You know, I had like, uh, you know, like the other school psychologist and I said, Hey, I saw, so I took a, a course in psychology. I'm a opera major here. I took a course in psychology and who knew, but I thought it was that I would like psychology so much, but it, 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 I was wondering if I could be a minor, you know, it's called foot in the door technique. You know, you mm -hmm. never like on a first date, you never say what you really want to do. You know, like you, you just like, Hey, do you want to get coffee? You know, like, so, okay. So I was there. I was like, Hey, could I be a minor in psychology? You know, who knows? and She's like, yeah, whatever. Like, uh, she was eating her bologna sandwich. She couldn't care less. Like, she's like, you know, no one's ever been this excited to be a minor in psychology before, you know, like, and, but th this, you have to understand this was such a profound moment for me because I was, as I was skipping back, uh, you know, to my dorm in my tights that day um, with this paper in my hand, and I was in tights because I had dance class earlier that day, but I had this paper in my hand as I was skipping. I realized, like, I figured out, like, some secret to the universe because it's like, I need to, like, tell people that all you need to do is we need to bring you to the other side of the expectations. Like when you're already in the environment where people expect that you're already smart, no one questions it. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm. Like, like this secretary, like whatever, like, yeah, like, of course you can. You're already here at Carnegie Mellon, you know? And, mm -hmm. and so then I kept wondering like, how far can I take this? So I, um, I then switched to the, the major, you know, the following semester I went back and I said, I took another course in psychology, you know, who knew I would want to be a major and, um, I became a major, but then I was like, can I add on like a computer science degree? Cause I was just like. I was almost like an experiment. I wanted to like show people that like, wow, you could actually go from special ed to like the number one computer science, like highest SAT requirement. This is why, this is why it was cheeky because Carnegie Mellon has like, you know, for their computer science department, it's like MIT and Carnegie, it's like the highest SAT scores in the, in the world. Right. So that required to get into the program. Um, mm -hmm. but I was already there at Carnegie Mellon. So I just, I was like, yeah, I added on a computer science major. And um, I just thought it was so, like, interesting and, and you know, fascinating, like, the just how much, like, our expectations of people's potential really limits, um, you know, like, what we actually are getting out of people, if that makes sense. It's, it's pretty insane that if someone actually wants to do something, that you would put up so many kind of like unnecessary barriers to growth when it's like most people are just like, you know, we're just like bumping around through existence and like, I need a job. Okay. I look through the help wanted ads and I'm like, oh, this is someone that might hire me. So I guess I'll, I'll do that because I don't really know what I'm doing with my life. Hey, if if someone actually knows what they want and what they what they are going to have a natural inclination to, if you're going to sit and read books about psychology when no one tells you to, when it's not your assignment, when it's just your natural interest, why would you turn away anyone that has uh, that has that willingness? It's like, what it, it do do you want uh like do you want some um. Like, if you have a company, do you hire someone that like actually wants to do the thing and likes it and wants to be a part of something? Or do you do someone that's like just doing it for the paycheck? I completely agree. Um, 
No, I mean it's 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 such an important point. I I have made a joke. So in gift education, you know, there's kind of like a threshold to get in like a 130 or above IQ. But Mm -hmm. I ask like, like if a child comes to you and is like, hey, I really want to make the world a better place. I have a dream. I have vision. I want to like end bullying. I want to end, you know, violence. You know, it's absurd to say like, well, let's see if you have a a requisite IQ to make the world a better place. You know, like, like there shouldn't be that extra step. Sorry, we're not, we're only selecting a very limited number of people to make the world a better place. You see the absurdity of that, right? You see the absurdity of that. It's like, no, no, you just fucking let them do it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Why is there an extra step? Yeah, or say how this can relates I help? to what you're saying, but I, this it's just I I often make this point when I talk to gifted education teachers, it's like you should be doing universal screening of the whole school, you know, like see who actually wants to fundamentally because I trust me, not every child wants to fundamentally make the world a better no. place, but th- those that do get them the fucking resources. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, it's and and not everyone should. That that's such a high bar for to like. Not 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 everyone should be. You know, like if, if some listeners like, ah, I don't really care about making the world a better place. Like I'm just, uh, I'm just having this experience. I'm just doing this existence thing. I have other like, that's that's totally <laughs> that's totally fine as well. Um, but uh, but when when uh. When someone actually wants to, yeah, it's why that is that's ridiculous to stand in somebody's way, um, and so so then you are you enjoying this conversation? Yeah, I had five thoughts I was trying to put together into one right there, and I kind of stumbled in like connecting them in the way that was a uh, verbally fluent so i kind of meandered off a little bit there oh no problem but, i was doing like a halfway i was doing a check like a check-in with you to make sure that this interview is going uh, well do you do that regularly you do a lot of interviews yeah, it's first time you... i've ever done it it's first time i've ever <laughs> it's done an it. interesting strategy <laughs> first time i've ever done it well, i just it's... i feel like i want you to be happy i want you to be happy <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I appreciate. Is it because I told you I was living in clutter and uh, <laughs> all that, making sure that I'm okay? So, so from these humble beginnings, um, you uh, you upset the norms and create. I actually like the version of the story where you do look at that report card or whatever every day and you're like, I'll show you. That's that's how that's how they show your life in the movie, you know, like know. a very dramatic. Uh but but you went on to um uh to to I don't know, what do you you call you kind of broke apart um some of the old ideas of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, things that, things that, uh, things that were great insights that got, got us probably where we needed to go when they had there and had a positive impact on the world. But with all, with all those big milestones like that, we always want to kind of like break them apart a decade or two later and see if there's uh, ways we can improve upon them. And that's what you're kind of doing with your book, Transcend, in a way, right? 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, I can give you just a quick sort of evolution of my thinking because my first sure. book, um, my first book, uh, major book, I wrote some academic books that I don't like talking about. But um, the first major book for the general audience was called Ungifted, Intelligence Redefined. And that's really that was really the one that I um, had wanted, wanted to write my whole life. And uh, it told my personal story, but also had a new definition of intelligence um, called uh, the theory of personal intelligence, arguing that just knowing someone's ability level is not enough. Um, for for their assessing their potential or their possibilities, you know, you you really have to see how engaged are they, and um, and and are they moving towards their personal goals? Like, are we actually listening to their own dreams and desires and things like that? So that was a kind of an expansion of our thinking about intelligence. And then I got into creativity work and I did um, uh, Wired to Create and it was all about, you know, how the creative mind is different than the intelligent mind sometimes. In fact, the two things are um, ca- can be opposites. Um, sometimes like the really hyper intelligent, rational person um, is not capable of divergent thinking, you know, and thinking of like lots of different you know, crazy ass ideas and then connecting them in, in, in a creative way. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... Um, and this latest one, yeah, self-actualization, I uh, really was interested in the broadest level of human potential. Like, what's the highest ceiling? What do we got as humans, you know? And uh, I mean, it's not like we have the ultimate answer on that, but this notion of Maslow was talking about transcendence it, towards the last couple of years of his life. Matt, Abraham Maslow, um, who a lot of people attribute his, his theory, a hierarchy of needs, self-actualization, he really argued that self-actualization wasn't the highest human motivation, uh, really was transcendence. Mm. And how how are you how are you defining um, transcendence there? Okay, so I I distinguish between uh, in my book I distinguish between healthy transcendence and unhealthy transcendence. Hmm. So uh, let me start with unhealthy transcendence. Um, so you know the kind of like you know the gurus who like say they've transcended and then they like molest everyone in their parish or whatever you know in their like thing. Like to me, I would argue that's not like healthy transcendence. Like oh, there are a lot of people who um, uh, abuse their position of power or, or who um, uh, have uh, they're they're doing their spiritual practices um, to resolve some unmet need. It's, um, not for the genuine motive of transcendence. So the way Maslow put it, it's like pseudo growth rested on a faulty foundation or pseudo, I call it pseudo transcendence. It's resting on a faulty foundation of unmet needs that have not ever, you know, maybe the need for self-esteem or the need for connection, need for uh, meeting, you know, et cetera. There's, you know, like all these needs, healthy transcendence to me. And I'll tell you how I define healthy transcendence. Um, it's the harmonious, uh, okay. Healthy transcendence is an emergent phenomenon resulting from the harmonious integration of the whole self in the service of realizing the good society. Mouthful. Told it that was a mouthful. Right? I, I feel like I lost you. Say it one more time. <laughs> you know, uh, it's it's a lot. Um, healthy, but I'm happy to break it down. Healthy transcendence is an emergent phenomenon. So it's something that you don't, you shouldn't shoot for it as the goal in itself. Let it come about naturally. Um, as a byproduct of integrating your whole self, making sure that all the different parts of you are working harmoniously. There's not one unmet need that's kind of like taken over the rest of you um, in the service of, um, you know, getting outside yourself, contributing to uh, the good of society. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I'll, I'll say that usually, and why I kind of drifted off into space a little bit there was because uh, whenever these kind of, topics come up i tend i tend to default my thinking toward i think that when when 
those gurus that you talk about, whether it's enlightenment or transcendence, I think it's, I think it's like a, um, a, they're treating it as if it's an asset that they, um, possess, that they have this, the scarce resource that they possess that you can, uh, you can possibly get two, but uh, you know you'll need to give them a number of things, rather than um, uh, rather than just kind of an ongoing process of of uh, like like neither of us are going to attain enlightenment in this conversation. Well, maybe it'll happen. Like right at the end, we're like, well, who knew? I guess if you uh, like jinx yourself into the other way um but but we become more enlightened through having you know through each day through trying to attain growth through trying to learn from one another your it's it's a process that just continues and it's a and it's a path that you're on rather than some final destination that you'll get there and you're like and now i possess that thing and here we are that's the way that i think about it that's right. No, I think they're spot on. Uh, you know, it's a it's a process. It's it's um, it's not a destination. It's a direction. Right. Um. So why don't you? We have like, we have a solid thirty minutes, if you do anyway. Um. To, uh, I I would like to. Could we break down your? Can you like, break down sort of the do outline a dance? little bit? Yeah, can we break dance for thirty minutes on a thing that most people are just listening to? That would be. I used to be a I used to be a professional break dancer. You used to be a professional break dancer. Yeah, for about six months. For six months of your life in England. <laughs> What's all right? So. You, first off, you start doing breakdancing, right? You're in your house. You're practicing breakdancing. You find yourself getting better at it. You spin around on your head, and you're like, well, I got to show this to some other people. You show it to some friends. They're impressed, right? And then maybe you're at a party sometime, and there's like the dance floor and everything like that. You're at some wedding, and there's the dance circle, and everyone's like awkwardly doing some weird like polka dance or whatever. And then you just start spinning around on the floor. And that's this whole show. And man, to feel that energy, that's really something. And then you, and then what's the, what's the, what's the shift to like, I'm going to put my hat out on the street and, and set up like my boom box. Well, I was part of a squad. <laughs> <laughs> it's called a crew. It's a crew. Sorry, a crew. It's called okay. Sin Crew. Okay. Uh, wait, and we would do, uh, we wait, would do battles. Hold, but hold on a second. This is okay. This is all amazing. So, <laughs> and you did break dance. Of course. Well, once you're in a squad, now you got to break dance. Crew. Battle. It's really so crew. I guess it's I meant like to say kind crew. of. It's a crew. Oh, they they go by crew, not squad. It's That's actually important. yes. In in England, in England, you know, it's C R U. It's yeah, Sin uh, Crew. Yeah, that's an important. I don't want to have a cultural faux pas with the breakdancing. Yeah, you don't want to mess the, the whole rift between like the Brooklyn and the England. Right, know, right. So that, so I mean, I guess it depends on why you're 
why you're into breakdancing in the first place. But yeah, now you got your crew and now there's going to be other crews. So yeah, so then you're going to have competitions. All this makes sense. Why do we but, do anything? It's to attract meats. Yeah. Yeah, I get. Oh, and then so you have like the the what do they call it? The, the locks or whatever where the multiple males line line up and dance LEKs, LEKs, yeah. LEKs, yeah. The leaks. Uh, oh, leaks. Lex? 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 I'm actually not 100% sure how to pronounce it. I think they're Lex. Well, that's very honest of you. Um, so I so how did you find your crew? Well, I was attending Cambridge University, and I just happened to uh, sign up for a hip-hop dance class. And little did I know that I would love it so much. Um, and mm. the teacher thought I was good. Can you believe it? Can you believe this, you know, uh, that would be good at, at breakdance, at, um, at hip-hop dancing? And she's like, hey, so I have, I'm head of a whole organization synchro you know you want to do you want to like do stuff with us we went to like schools we did we did performances at like schools and stuff like like elementary schools is i did we did a rendition of sexy back it's really weird now i think about the whole thing but we did a rendition of sexy back and i was like the lead the lead i was the justin timberlake i, I was the justin I, timberlake <laughs> it's, it's i know it's i we, this whole thing went off in a direction <laughs> I, no, all of this is like very natural directions for me. It, it's it's where my where the many tangents my brain normally goes on is now just feels like where we're supposed to go with having conversation with you. So I was off. I I was off on the story that I put together in my head of your or breakdancing origin story. It was just more simple than that. It was like, oh, breakdancing class or, or hip-hop class. That sounds good. And so then you went around to schools. You didn't get into the panhandling aspect no, of it. No, I didn't do that. No, I didn't. Because you think, you think professional breakdancing, you think panhandling in a hurry. But I guess you... I didn't, I didn't think about that, but you did. <laughs> See, this is me stereotyping. I'm learning about myself. This is an opportunity for a look inward, an opportunity for this growth. This is a great interview because uh, people are hearing lots of stuff about me that I don't. I usually don't talk about. So this is a great interview. I, I mean, I like, hope you know, like a million people asking me, like, tell me, break down the different needs in the hierarchy of needs. But no one asks me, like, tell me about your breakdancing origin story. Do you know what I mean? So this is a unique interview. Well... You know, my secret is I just don't really have much of a plan. I just kind of just kind of wing it and, <laughs> and, I love see, it. and see what happens. I love it. I love it. It's such a fresh air talking to comedians. This is why I love having comedian friends. Like in New York, I'd, I'd have like I'd hang out with comedians just because they're just fun. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, and funny. I have five different roads I can pick. Which adventure am I going to choose? You know what? Let's I'll I'll wrangle it back in. Let's get back to the book. Okay. Um and and let's let's do let's do the boring old topics that you gotta your whole thing that you gotta tell every person over and yep. over again. Launch into those and let's see if I can spice it up a little bit for you. Well, maybe like can you beatbox behind it while I'm saying nope. it? Like, <laughs> And then the hierarchy of the top, we have self 
No. I'm I, that beatboxing performance made me think that the uh, that that hip hop story was made up. But but go on. Tell, tell no, correla no correlation between breakdancing ability and beatboxing ability. Just like there's no correlation between hand size and... Scott, you're the only person I've ever had on the show that has uh, my level of ADHD. I I take that to be such an honor. It's you, such an honor. You, you, do, you re do you recognize yourself in me? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're a different, we're a different kind of off. <laughs> we're like in, it's a, it's the same coin that we're, that we're kind of on, but it's two sides of it. Um, okay. Yeah. I'm, I, I have a, yeah, I have like more of a rebellious, um, cynicism. You got like a hopeful goofiness, um, yeah. si side of it going on a little bit. Yeah, I see. Uh, what, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but hey, yeah. Do, um, do, do you do editing at all for your podcast or do you just kind of let it all hang out? It depends. I mean, I can edit things, but this is going wonderfully. Yeah, I mean, no need, no need. Um, <laughs> but I... I can um yeah. Do you want me to break break down the um yeah the yeah 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 absolutely. Okay, I can, I'll put on my serious hat now. Um uh yeah. So Maslow never drew a pyramid. It turned out well, I want a dandruff. Holy shit! I <laughs> did that. I did that like holes like <laughs> think. Anyway, um uh uh Maslow never drew a pyramid. Um so that's a um uh uh misunderstanding. There's no pyramid of needs um i have this metaphor for uh for life that i a sailboat um and the sailboat metaphor i think is a better sort of a metaphor for for human needs because we're all uh we need to like integrate ourselves so we're, we need a whole operating union uh, unit and um we're all traveling in the unknown of the sea the vast unknown of the sea and we have the boat if the boat's not secure so we don't have the needs for safety the need for connection the need for self-esteem secure we won't go anywhere. Um, mm. But, you know, just having your needs secure is also not enough to go anywhere. You need to eventually open up the sail and uh, and be vulnerable against the winds, against the waves that can come crashing down. And, and you know, and even any all of us at the same time, even though we're all going this, the uh, you know, the boat in our own direction, the waves can come crashing down on us. Um, but when you move in uh, and you're fully moving with a spirit of exploration, love and purpose in the sea of the vast unknown of the sea, you know, you have to, you know, you have this vision, this, this vision of the future, this vision of like, what is the island that you're moving toward? Um, and you know that there's going to be a lot of, uh, a lot of impediments along the way, but you're never going to grow if you don't get outside of your comfort zone. If you don't, um, you, if you don't do that ex exploration, you know, there's so many things I try in my life that I totally suck at, but, um, I just, I just love exploring and seeing what I'm capable of. You know, ninth grade when I took myself out of special ed, I was so curious. What was I capable of? I had no idea. You know, prior prior to ninth grade, I was just um, there was there was there was no sense of identity, no sense of uh, idea of of possibility. You know, for mm -hmm. me, you know, so uh, being able to explore is a wonderful thing. I think we sh we should all do that more. Well, so so, what do you what do you think the um do you like the, the average what's up? Do you like the sailboat metaphor? Oh, I... <laughs> are you, you like checking it? in with me again? Uh, yeah, I, well, 
should, let, let's see. Do you want to pick it apart? We could. I mean. No, I don't really want to pick it apart. It, I just it, want you to it, say that you liked it. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yeah. In I, the in the main, as they say in England. Yeah, I I like the sailboat metaphor quite a bit. Um, I, I mean, do I have a better one off the cuff? No. Could I think of one? Maybe. 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 Given the time. So, within this, where do you think that the average? So. We're in a we're in a uh, global pandemic right now. To me, there is with with the with the many concerns that we have and the the many like you know difficulties everyone has and uh, the economy and death and health issues and everything like that. It, it, there's also a lot of opportunity to I mentioned earlier kind of. Uh, re-examine our lives a little bit a, a lot of people are kind of reassessing things they're being confronted with their own mortality more than they are used to and uh I, i'm putting my hands away for a second so so you can uh uh concentrate and, blinding blinding <laughs> and and um and i i just think that this is a real opportunity um for people to grow a lot and uh, maybe faster. I feel like I've had a lot of personal growth. I've had some like, you know, lots of personal growth and then like, whoops, backsliding a little bit. And then like, Oh, here's some more growth again. And well, then that's a normal. Bit of, yeah. That's Maslow normal. said human development is always a two step forward, one step back dynamic. That's, that's the human development. What, what do you think's going on there? Um, what do I think's going on there? Um, well, well, we have competing forces. We have inner conflicts, and that's right. just to be human. So we have to keep choosing the growth option. This is this is my big thing. That I keep like that. I like that phrase, choose growth. But we will constantly be having forces externally as well as internally that that they get in the way. You know, like right. if we get particularly hungry or we're craving chocolate. You know, we took a well. I took a huge step back from that diet tonight. You know, like and that's okay. I mean, it's it's there is there is something about being human um, that just doesn't ring true with these like superhuman biohackers. You know, these people who uh, like everything has to be oh, perfect. I'm so happy you're saying this. Yeah, man, those guys are. Kind of everything's well, first off, it turns out that during a pandemic, what I find out is everything drives me crazy. But first and foremost, pseudoscience and the like the it's it's the dressed up like snake oil of of the day where like the the person comes by and they're like able to and they have a ball with static electricity and they bring it from town to town and people are like wow how did that happen (laughs) you're funny you're you're funny yeah and yeah and and that that stuff is just like ah it's I think it's just like another thing and it's, you know, it's like most self-help books that you find. I find that most self-help books are helpful in that if you are reading it, doesn't matter what it says, you're probably just 
being more motivated in your regular life because you're like, well, I'm reading this self-help book right now. So I'm, I'm committing to this intention to live a better life. And then you, and then you do independent of, of the, the stuff that it normally says. And this is why I'm excited about, about kind of having, um, you know, I've been, I've been trying to get guests on that have, like, we did like a kind of anti-diet one diet book recently with a, a evolutionary anthropologist and this is like uh, why I thought it would be great to have you on and it's because it's a, a lot of this stuff is is packaged with like the flashing lights and not some of just like the the basic kind of scientific understandings of and it's it's the the complexity of it makes it look really fancy and then it also makes it impossible for people to like pin down what's working and what's not so yeah you it's can't a mix say like, if it was all bad see that's the that's the thing where they get you if it was all yeah. rubbish i'm in my england mode right now if it was all rubbish then you know then it'd be easy to dismiss the whole thing but there, there's some good mixed in with the bad and you know i like some of the work going on in the in the biohacking community um some of it's interesting and and mm -hmm. grounded in some scientific research but then some of it's like what the hell you like where, how are you making that claim yeah mm -hmm. yeah so all right I want to, uh, uh, this two steps forward, one step yeah. back. This is something we all, we, we all do. And actually, now that I think about it, I beat myself up so much for that one step back without realizing like a lot of people aren't taking the two steps forward, but I take them exactly. all the time. Self-compassion. You need more self-compassion, yeah. Shane. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I certainly do, uh, like no doubt about it, but there's also something about having, having a real critical eye in life that gives you very good, uh, particular taste. And I have a, uh, I have a real eye for quality. That's why you invited um, me on your show. I, I did. And, and so there's just like, you know, when you have a critical eye and then you put that in on yourself too, it's like, ugh, I don't like it's not always pleasant, but it can be helpful. But so back to this two steps forward, one step back, I think that sometimes, so there's, there's a couple problems. There's the taking the two steps, which is the, wow, that seems like a lot of work. There's a lot of anxiety or in my case, depression a lot with like, sure, I, I could take two steps forward, but what, what path do I want to take those two steps forward on in the first place because once I start walking down that path that could be the next five years of my life I I, I think about five-year plans basically not every day but damn close to it at, at least once a week I live in a five-year plan world not longer than that not shorter than that I have five-year vision this is like what I'm doing today is for five years from now wow. always wow. and 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 so so that leads to me like having reservations sometimes about taking action. So th that's one thing, but then the other thing is and here's what I'm wondering if if you have any insight on or I mean all of it, but um the other thing is is two steps forward I start getting some wind in my sails and now I'm like I guess I'm just coasting from here and I start kicking up my feet a little bit I take the foot off the gas 
And I start telling myself stories like, ooh, you deserve a little treat. Maybe you should binge watch a new show or something like that. It always ends the same. I always hate that I, I'm not, I'm not against TV, but I, I do think binge, binge uh, watching things can be pretty unhealthy and certainly is for me. So I threw a bunch at you there. Take, uh, pick apart any of that you like in in maybe apply some of the lessons from your book to it well there's a deep there's a deep profound truth there um that the more you know the neurons that fire together wire together the more we mm -hmm. start sometimes it's best to not even open up uh, certain doors um if you know that you're um if you can't handle it <laughs> like if you know mm -hmm. that you're gonna you know like not i don't recommend that everyone tries heroin once do you know what i mean like like that that it's it's so addictive and there's there are things for um i don't know if i'd recommend to anyone that they try heroin even once but um you know but the point the point is you know there are lots of things that are our own her kryptonites or our own heroines and mm -hmm. if, if netflix binging is your kryptonite or heroin you know you need I, I think it is good to have a certain higher level of um uh self-control uh, and you know self-management over your life so that you can mm -hmm. Um, arrange your goal hierarchy in a way that you're not sabotaging your highest level goals. Um, this mm -hmm. is uh, what I talk about in the purpose chapter of my book. Uh, so this, this very much relates. Everything you just said very much relates to particularly the purpose chapter of my book where I talk about um, really like planning out your goal hierarchies. Like if you're the kind of five-year kind of planner, I think that you would do well to, point, to have a really well-integrated goal hierarchy. And I can, I'm happy offline to, 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 to send you uh, some images of that, uh, what that could look like. But um, you want you want to be things to be harmonious with each other. If your goal is to, um, if your highest level goal is to be healthy, you know, like make sure your low level goals aren't like, you know, um, to eat as much pizza as you can during the week. You know, like that's not going to be very consistent with your highest level goal. So I think it's it's okay it's 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 wise to think that through. Hmm. So, um, a couple things: the neurons that wire together fire fire together wire together. That's an interesting thing about that is our modern environment. Like you mentioned, heroin. Well, we didn't evolve with heroin in the environment, and the most of that. Uh, most of our evolutionary history, it's been neurons that fire together and then sometime later fire together again and then sometime later fire together again start to form a bond and a pattern over time to form efficiencies in the mind. And now we have these these things like, like a heroin or whatever equivalent is that can all of the sudden the the excitatory fa uh, factors of these artificial super stimulants can can just go and fire all of those fire way more neurons and way 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 stronger of a signal yeah you're seeing that with social media yeah and and so those those um uh, that that wiring together is happening faster and and stronger i mean there there wasn't i mean this isn't social media is nothing new in that way this is like 
is since you figured out how to process sugar or you know any anything like that 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 wasn't in our natural environment that was uh but but we're we're getting better and better at those um things so i was wondering yes one when you're talking about the the goal hierarchy the five-year plan or whatever when you're saying like oh here's something i could put this together for you off the air um do you want to do it right now so that listeners can hear um like listeners like when i make myself a guinea pig is that putting too much pressure on you yeah <laughs> yes it is it is um you don't want to do it right now? Not really. Um, the basic idea, the basic idea, the basic idea of a goal hierarchy is you have, you know, <laughs> I, that's one. I didn't know I was going to be putting you in an uncomfortable position with that. And two, how honest you were about it was refreshing, quite frankly. I'm, but yeah, I go on. really wear my heart on my sleeve, uh, my thoughts on my sleeve. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, just the general ideas, you know, you have, uh, I mean, I can ask you like, what is your top level goal? So what is your vision of the future in five years? Who do you, and that, that's what I mean by top level goal. Who do you want to be five years from now? That would, that would be the top, the highest level of the hierarchy. Yeah. Well, I've had to completely reconstruct that because, you know, the five-year plan was like, I really enjoyed live touring. I, I kind of had everything set up the way that I wanted and it was kind of going in the trajectory that was like, I was getting away from just like regular, you show up at the chuckle hut Thursday through Saturday and, and entertain a new crowd of strangers or whatever and i was and i had was like okay now i'm doing this indie thing and building like a grassroots it's actually people that are coming to see me actually and more importantly not just like aren't i special people that know what the show is know that know the subject matter that i'm going to be talking about and are enthusiastic i i i would care more about people being enthusiastic to hear um, a comedian talk about science than to come out to see Shane Moss. Because there's a lot of people that come out to see Shane Moss that are like, oh, I didn't know he was going to go on a whole science spiel for like an hour and might leave disappointed because they heard my first album and want to hear like the 10 minute anal sex story again or, or whatever. And, and so I was, you know, I had figured that out and I did, I had a nice five year plan and was feeling out what it was like to like live on the road and was digging it. And then this is that live touring is foggy for me, not just with COVID, but what the restructuring of the economy and venues that will start up and shut down and what exactly live comedy will look like in the foreseeable future is a little foggy and kind of not worth my time to think about right now and so so many unknowns jeez so many unknowns too too many and for for what you know like i was it's not like i was i didn't i didn't do stand-up to like make a million dollars i did it to because i loved doing it and i could make enough to uh, pay the bills and keep on growing an audience. And uh, I, I never had any inclination to like make a TV show or anything like that. 
And and this podcast was just something that I did mostly for my own personal education. And then people get to listen in um, as well and, you know, get a little bit of a fan base from it and, and everything else. But now I have a I have a second science podcast or a second a, a second podcast I'm doing, which is a comedy podcast. So I'll have this my science podcast and a today's, comedy podcast. today's show was a was a comedy crossover. Yeah, and I always throw in some comedy in here too, but you know, like a lot of a lot of uh not every guest is going to go with me on on the like giving it 70% in the bedroom stuff or whatever. I I need to know that go, you know, vibe from a guest or whatever, and so I I hold back on things like that. So uh, comedy podcast and we're really doing it we're treating it like a tv production and we have it looking really really nice and we're adding like animation and lots of lots of uh lots of fun elements and we're working with uh my co-host is an artist and and uh we have like a really good editor and a whole that's so great Sean. i'm excited team. i'm excited i want to see it thank you yeah i want to see it um it's Shane, by the way. My listeners are gonna be like, "It's Shane." What did I say? Sean. Oh, I called you, you Sean. Sean no, I'm, sorry, I'm, sorry, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, it happens all of the time. Um, but I, um, so that, and I have a book that I'm writing that is like, as expected, going a little slower than I thought it would. Mostly because I've had new projects like this podcast come up since then, but it's good. I believe in it and it's going really, really well. And it, I'm liking the process of it enough where not only am I like, Ooh, people are going to like this book, uh, the, but I'm also like, I think that I could do this more often. I've had like five books always floating around in my head and have always been apprehensive about pulling the trigger and like, you know, self-esteem issue, whatever else to, that was limiting me from doing it and just not having time. Well, that's part of the goal and hierarchy there, by the way, you know, self-esteem issues can be something that takes you away from that higher level goal, you know, so like addressing those issues that would be lower in the goal hierarchy. So that's, so I just threw a bunch at you in the meantime, in, in this year, you know, I, I've been exercising more. I've been taking better backslid a little bit in winter which was expected and i didn't backslide that far um but uh so you know just making general improvements uh in my physical health because i'm i'm still i'm a long ways from the type of person that does a triathlon you know i'm, I'm still grateful when i get myself to like do an hour of yoga uh or or you know body weight exercises or whatever and and uh in a I, which I do pretty regularly and like maybe play some pickleball in a year. But there's there's things that I want to keep on tweaking there. And then those those career goals have like, you know, not only are they like nice ideas, but like I've I'm executing uh, them and I'm also having to do it quickly and having to rely on my my old life. I had enough income to be like, oh, I can. I can invest $10,000 on in this project and waste this amount of time in this project. And if it pays off, amazing. And if it doesn't, well, that was a learning experience. And now my back's against the wall a little bit uh, more because of, you know, losing all of my income and 
everything else. But of, so of course, it sounds like you're. It sounds like you were doing, you know, like so well, and then like COVID hit. You're like, damn it, like that. I mean, what a setback that 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 is. Um, but from my perspective, I mean, um, you've you've really built up a, a really good core following of people that think you're hilarious. So that's that. You know, you you don't lose that. You don't lose it overnight. You know. So so what do you uh, so just in terms of like you, you know someone that's just put together a whole bunch of new you know a lot of people do this even without pandemics you you hit middle age you go you know what this job wasn't what I thought it was going to be I've always wanted to pursue this instead I'm I'm going to rearrange my um my goals. What do you recommend for people in that place? Yeah, it's very possible to do that. Um, you know, I I talk in the book about knowing when to move on. Um, is a very important part. You need you need to constantly be assessing whether or not your goals are still leading you in um the direction of growth for where you, for, for, uh, for who you have become is how I would mm -hmm. frame it. Um, and there's no shame in choosing different growth goals. There's, there's actually shame in rigidly sticking with goals that are no longer right for you. There, there's the shame, you know, mm -hmm. um, uh, Maslow has a wonderful quote. What's worth doing is not worth, what's not worth doing is not worth doing well. <laughs> is, mm -hmm. is a Maslow is, is a Maslow quote. Um, I think you need to take a good hard look at, you know, who you've um, become in the last year or two, and you might need to like re, you know, re, tink re tinker tinker with that goal hierarchy a bit. Um, are there things and and even that 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 global vision of of um, of the next five years? I don't know about five year plans. I'm not I'm not the biggest fan of those because we change so much and grow so much and five years are more of a of a kind of like a, maybe like a year plan, you know, sort of mm -hmm. thing. I mean, it's just like, as far as I clearly see things without, I, I don't, you know, I hold loosely onto that vision, but it's just like, it's, it's just kind of how I steer the ship. And it's also, it's also how I kind of get myself to, say read more than i would normally um and and read more challenging things because i'm like well this is challenging for me right now but if i stick with this five years from now i'm going to be much 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 better for it much smarter have that much more knowledge or whatever and um so that's what works it's not it's not what i recommend for um other people necessarily but that's just something that i i always um helps me organize my ideas that's great i mean the way the hierarchy works is you have different levels of abstraction um and you can tr kind of design you know it's good the good thing is you can intentionally design the life where multiple areas are all feeding into that higher level goal you know that you just so you're just not wasting your life you know like and that that's really the key here um you know mm -hmm. is that you're um you know, you've intentionally designed like if they're if the top level goals be healthy, you know, like your sub level goals, you know, are exercise related goals and um, mental, you know, habits kind of goals. And you might have other kinds of goals. And then underneath each of those, you have more specific if then rules, because a lot of things we don't want to do 
But if we can program our subconscious through the language of the subconscious, which are if then rules, you can do them. So like if I, you know, when I get up in the morning, I put the shoes by the side of the bed. Um, if it's eight, seven a.m., you know, I'm getting in the shoes and I'm going to the gym. You don't think about things anymore. You don't you don't leave it to your conscious mind to justify mm. not doing things. Um, Shane, uh, <laughs> yeah, Shane, I, I'm getting paranoid now. I was like, is it Sean? Wait, <laughs> no, I did get it right, Shane. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I have to go in five minutes. Yeah, um, no problem. But I've that's perfect. I'm so enjoying this conversation. I'm I'm so glad we met. Can we be friends? Yeah, man. Yeah, of of course. We're besties. Uh all right. Well I'm going to I'm going to let's let's get three solid minutes of gold sure. out of you. Sure. Um what what's no the, pressure. No pressure. Well because as you were saying that, what I wanted what I wanted to ask you was, um, was it, yeah, it's, it's so hard for us to in the moment break a, a bad habit and, and start those new, you know, environmental kind of engineering things that we want to do so we can, we don't need to think about every step in our life and we're stepping in the right direction. Um, but it, it it's, it's much harder living with those bad habits, but not on the day to day, you know, just on the long term. So how, how does, how does the human mind kind of rectify that? Uh, just kind of living each day with intention a little bit. And well, this I, is very much uh, what Maslow called the plateau experience and becoming comfortable mm -hmm. in the plateau experience. Because we can get addicted to the peak experiences, we can get addicted to those, you know, those those amazing highs of um, when we accomplish something, and um, or we uh, have a tr this grandiose, transcendent experience, this mystical experience. But we need to become more comfortable with finding the miraculous in the everyday, and um, and just having continuous newness of appreciation for the things you keep seeing every day. I mean, that's how we get through the day, you know, even with these longer term goals, um, and 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 do keeping the longer term process in mind in the two step forward, one step back dynamic. Like if you had a day where you didn't make much progress or you didn't even make any progress towards your five-year plan, um, not, you know, showing yourself some self-compassion, you know, and showing, and then keeping the broader goal in mind. I mean, some of this stuff seems uh, maybe just obvious, but, you know, it's stuff we have to remind ourselves of. I think it's very important. And, and I do with my clients, you know, I do coaching and um, it's amazing how just reminding clients of certain things that we intuitively know to be true, but just be hearing them again and again can keep us, um, you know, can, can keep our morale up because there's a lot of, mm. you know, we're going to have days where our morale is, is down, but we just have to remember it's not like it's, uh, we've returned to the, the bottom of the, some sort of pyramid, you know, we didn't like fall and tumble all the way to the bottom, you know, because we had some setbacks or we didn't, we went through periods of time where we didn't make a lot of progress because spurts can happen. Um, you know, you can have two months of no progress and then you can have two days where you just take it to the next level. So we have to be open to that possibility. Yeah. So, uh, well, that's it, it, that's uh, really fantastic. And this is what I like so much about books like yours is you can take. So if everyone, if you check out Scott Barry Kaufman's Transcendent, The New Science of Self-Actualization, uh, you, you take some of these kind of uh, 
the things that like, oh, everyone knows that already when you just hear like a couple people having a light conversation about it. But when you kind of actually read it broken down and phrased in new ways that you haven't thought about before, that that becomes the difference between kind of intellectually knowing something and then integrating it and like feeling it and having it be a part of our identity and a part of our being. And so that's why I recommend getting Scott's book today. Thank you, Scott, so much for joining me. Sheen, I really, I'm glad we finally got a chance to do this because I love talking to comedians who are, I mean, there's not a lot of them out there, but I like talking to comedians who also are nerdy, uh, you know, really care about science. Uh, you're, you're, you're occupying a really, truly unique niche that I, that I just adore it. So uh, let's stay in touch, oh. you know? Yeah, absolutely, man. Thank you. This is uh, this is really terrific. I'm, I'm glad that we, uh, that we made it happen, <laughs> especially too. after having to... We were supposed to record this the day of the insurrection, and we were both like, like hey, we're going to uh, watch the news instead. So <laughs> this is a historical moment. So let's let's postpone this a little bit. We're like, yeah, do we want to do that? Do we, are we really, do we really want to do that? But um, uh, it's kind of funny. Like you, like you, you put two, like we're an interesting combination because you put two people with like, you know, ADD like characteristics. Um, you know, I don't mm. like the labels, but but characteristics who are both you know a bit cheeky and both love science together and this is this is what you get folks <laughs> this conversation yeah. so yeah it's really fun man uh, i had a great time so thank you cool. for joining me scott thanks and thank you listeners for being such wonderful curious people we'll talk with you next week